Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, you can remain seated. I want to turn to the book of Lamentations. Uh, I, I noted that both Brother Rayleigh and Brother Chris Osborne Wednesday night referred to Jeremiah. And um, I, I want to just go here. The book of Lamentations, of course, is written by Jeremiah. And I want to read just a few verses. And if you'll allow me to just idle along here today, will that be all right? <laughs> Amen. I, that kind of goes against my grain sometimes too, but if. I can just idle along, we'll be all right and, and get through the day. And uh, Lamentations 3 and 19, Jeremiah says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Well, I'm sure many of you who may be familiar with this passage of Scripture understand and can appreciate that... um, that it's kind of hard to figure out where to start reading and where to stop reading in a, in a passage like this. So I just kind of wanted to draw a little excerpt out of a tremendous story. A week ago this past Friday on the 13th, uh, I woke up that morning and the very first thing that crossed my mind was this passage of Scripture, that the mercies of the Lord are new every day. Amen. Every morning to find that mercy of God that is so fresh. Now, I don't want to leave any implication of of, uh, flagrant or blatant sin in your mind, but when I think of just the frailty of humanity, if I just think about the frailty of me, and when I think about the frailty of me, and then I compare that to the mercy of God being fresh every day, That is an humbling, humbling thing. To know that I can go to God again today. I can kneel down afresh and I don't have to come there with shamefacedness necessarily. I want to come with brokenness and repentance, of course, but I don't have to come there beaten and broken down, but I know that when I get there, that there will be fresh mercy, not resented mercy, not not something that the Lord finally I negotiate him out of a little bit of mercy, but there would be fresh mercy every day. I couldn't help but to think about in comparing that or thinking about the fresh mercy of God to the manna of God in the wilderness for the children of Israel. It's hard for us in, in, in our 
in our finite minds, it really is hard for us to imagine that we would not have more than enough, but we would only have enough because we live in a time and a season of more than enough. If you didn't eat breakfast this morning, that was your choice, I'm sure. That was, your, that was a decision that perhaps you made, and it's not because the cupboards were bare, or it's not because there was no means with which to buy something or to, to partake of something. And so when we think about that, God said, I'm going to give you what you need every day and tomorrow. It's going to be there again. I can only imagine, I don't want to belabor this issue, but I can only imagine how much fear and uncertainty or perhaps some measure of trepidation that would have been in the heart and in the minds of the children of Israel as this blessing was first implemented, that you just take what you need for the day and if you take anything more, it's just going to rot. It's just going to be done away with. I, I have to believe somebody in the camp the first few days took a couple more wafers and just said, just in case. And then they realized that, that in time, in time, that fear began to, to be pushed back because they saw that God was a God of his word. And so maybe the first few trips outside that tent flap was a, a little fearful to wonder if God really will and then to realize that he really would. And so as fear then began to give away to faith, that they went to bed night after night in faith, knowing that I don't have to worry about tomorrow, that it'll be there. It, he promised it would be there, and it was there yesterday and the day before and last week and last month. And so with great confidence, I am going to, I'm going to not only embrace this, but I'm going to begin to teach this principle to our children and tell them that you don't have to worry about a thing, that in the morning, what we need will be there. It will be taken care of. And so when I think about the mercy of God being fresh, being there for me every day, you know, sometimes I wonder if God's going to be merciful to me. Amen. I'm just being honest with you today. I wonder, I, it's not because I deserve his mercy. It's not because I've earned his mercy. But I, I wonder, Lord, when I kneel down and pray, am I going to find forgiveness? Am I speaking to anybody else? Amen. I, am I going to find that today? And then what I have always found when I kneel down in prayer, in repentance, in brokenness, amen, with the right spirit. I'm not talking about being arrogant and flagrant about unrepentant sin, but I find the mercy of God is just exactly what Jeremiah promised that it would be, that it would be just as fresh for me this morning as it was yesterday morning when I asked him for it. Amen, I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I began to read this passage again and again and again, and I'm sure many of you know that, certainly students of the Bible know that sometimes God just keeps drawing you back to a particular place and you don't really understand it sometimes and so you just go back and, and again and again and again and I have read this passage over and over and over. It's almost impossible to think about this passage, at least it has been for me and uh, it has been almost impossible for me to read this passage of scripture and not recall the old hymn that seems to capture the essence of verse number 23 it's here that Jeremiah concludes a verse by simply stating this, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. I, 
I, I, I grew up hearing that song uh, sang in church and, and hearing the chorus of that certainly resonate in my spirit again and again today. This morning, my subject uh, for your consideration is simply this from this book of Lamentations, I still have hope. I still have hope. I hope that will make a little more sense and come into a little more focus as we, as we move along here. Jeremiah concludes this latter verse by saying, Great is thy faithfulness. Some of you may recognize that age-old hymn, but I was curious to realize this week that it really wasn't written as a song, that it was originally written as a poem. A man by the name of Thomas Chisholm wrote a poem in 1923. For Thomas Chisholm, it was just merely a reflection about God's faithfulness to him all throughout his lifetime. I'm not really sure what the, the details of his life may have been or what the details of God's faithfulness to him may have been, but we know that nevertheless, this was an end result of God's Jeremiah said, great is thy faithfulness. And as I mentioned, that that, uh, that did not start out as a song, but a man by the name of Thomas Chisholm, for him, it was just simply a reflection of God's goodness and his mercy and his grace to him in his life. I have no idea what the circumstances may have been surrounding uh, this that served as a catalyst for him to pick up a pen and paper and begin to write such words. But at that time, he was only 57 years old, but I, I would say this, that in 57 years, you can experience enough things to realize that God certainly is faithful. Mr. Chisholm soon felt compelled to send the poem to a friend of his by the name of William Runyon, and William Runyon at that time was affiliated both with not only Moody Bible Institute, but also Hope Publishing. Runyon set the poem to music and Hope Publishing published that same year the song that we know in 1923, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And so for many, many decades now, this song has been rendered not just as some form of mere entertainment for Christian congregations who gather, but it is a testimony that God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm thankful for the truth that is captured in that song, God is Faithful. The book of Lamentations is a record of the prophet Jeremiah's writings. A brief summary of just the first three chapters would be this. In chapter 1, Jerusalem has fallen and God is very much displeased by this. In chapter 2, God used Nebuchadnezzar as a rod of correction to bring his own children back to a place where they would remember and give credence to his righteousness. Perhaps God was reminding his very own elect that, that for somehow they had forgotten that forever settled truth that Solomon records in the book of Proverbs 14 and 34 where Solomon said, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The glory had departed from the temple. It was a very dark and dismal hour. Those that passed by the temple as it had been prophesied 
indeed did hiss and shake their head at the destruction of the place where God had once shown up so powerfully and so strong to bless his people. In chapter 3, through his tears, Jeremiah is a man that still has a testimony. Despite everything that was going on in their world that was real and not supposed, he still had a testimony. Jeremiah was a man that had seen the affliction by the rod of God's wrath. He was a man that had been led, he himself, into darkness. When he looked at himself, he saw nothing more than just heaviness and sorrow. But when I think of all that I've been through, Jeremiah said, God has still been faithful. And it's just by the mercy of God that we have not been consumed. There, there was not a bitter man who picked up a pen to say, I want the ages to know how angry I am with God. But no, no, it was a man that said, you know, if it weren't for the grace of God, if it were not for the mercy of God that I find fresh every day, we would be consumed in this very thing. I speak today, I speak today to men and women who if we will turn the scope of our thinking toward what Jeremiah is telling us today, that when we look around us instead of allowing room for bitterness and anxiety and angst to be in our spirit, we can look around and say, you know, despite the ashes that I'm standing in and despite everything that's going on in my life, I can tell you that God has been faithful and because of that, I have not lost my hope. I still have my faith and my confidence and my trust in the Lord. Amen. When I look around and think things over, Every now and then in the midst of our nest, we can recall different seasons of our lives where God has just been so subtle and perhaps even quiet and gentle and yet his hand has been so sure. In those seasons, we begin to think about the goodness and the mercy of God. Even when I haven't been where I should be, God has been faithful and he's been merciful to me. Amen. When I was here, when I should have been here, God's mercy was still fresh and real for me every day. I'm not wanting your mind to wonder to blatant and unrepented sin. That's not what I'm talking about. But when I have erred in judgment and I felt that when I lifted my hands, I would receive God's wrath. When I lifted my hands, I found a brand new fresh dose of God's mercy and his compassion and his love. And so we are here today, not because of our finesse. We're not here today because we're so shrewd. We're here today because God's mercy was fresh this very morning just as sure as God's son came up over the eastern horizon his mercy was available for us Amen. I'm going to tell you that I was in line this morning before the sun came up to say, God, I need your mercy this morning. I need your anointing afresh in my life. I can't do this without you. My hope and my confidence is not in the U.S. economy. It is not in the world economy. It is not in our state leader or legislator. It is not in our national or world leader. But my confidence and my hope is in God and God alone I still have hope hallelujah I still have hope 
Amen. David was a man who lived through some dreary days. David was a man who knew what it was like to sip out of the cup on the side of success. But he also knew what it was like to sip out of the cup on the side of failure. David knew what it was like to be revered by men. But he also knew what it was like to be despised by men. He knew what it was like to know he was in God's perfect will. And he knew what it was like to know that he was not in God's perfect will. And yet David had enough about him to say this. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I'm going to tell you the God that we're serving this morning is not just God enough to sustain us through this Sunday service. He's not just God enough to sustain us through this 24-hour period, but God is able to sustain us through whatever our tomorrows may hold. In Jesus' name, I declare that to be true. I still have hope. Amen. We need to understand, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but but Jeremiah was not pinning these words from some lofty crown or some lofty throne. He was not wearing this trying to keep the crown straight on his head. No, 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 no. Amen. I have got to say God has been faithful. Jeremiah was literally writing this passage of Scripture while weeping over the pain and the agony that the children of Israel were going through at the hands of the Babylonians. And so with great sorrow, he wept as he wrote. That's why we know Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. Again, Judah has been captured by Nebuchadnezzar as a punishment for their multiple sins against God. I think there's one thing that we really must understand about this passage and so let me pause long enough to just remind us that that we don't need to think of Jeremiah as just being an on-site reporter to this incident. He was not working for some newscasting company and somebody didn't fly him in and drop him off and, and he would crawl daily into the edges and, and and try to report back as to what was going on. We need to realize that that Jeremiah was not a witness or not he was not just a witness to this but Jeremiah himself was a prisoner of all of this just like much like Paul in Paul's writings when he wrote to us from the from the jails and from times of beatings and scourgings. He, he was not sitting in some air-conditioned office just pinning the, and reflecting the thoughts that were on his heart from that day's morning cup of coffee or tea and crumpets. No, no, no. It was not that at all. Jeremiah was as much a prisoner as any other man or woman of that day. Amen. He was witnessing his country. He was witnessing his own family. He was witnessing his own friends and his own livelihood being destroyed before his very eyes. And this man said, yet if it had not been for the mercy of God, we would be consumed. 
in the midst of everything that's going on. The only reason I'm still standing is because God's faithfulness and his mercy and, and I find that mercy fresh and real and new for me every day. Amen. In the midst of his tears as he wrote, in the midst of all of his sorrow as he wrote, he was still saying, I have hope. I have faith in God. I'm going to tell you this morning, this is a good looking crowd, a good looking congregation. We've come into this house and a moment ago prior to our service starting, the healthy laughter and the chatter that was here of friendly people, glad obviously to be in the presence of one another. But you know something I know behind all that laughter is there's not all joy in this house today. Behind, and I'm not talking about that somebody's here being false or pretentious or hypocritical but I'm telling you despite the sorrow in their life they were happy to be in the house of God I know that my mind may have been on that because of this passage of scripture but I'm going to tell you as I listened to some of the laughter and as I looked out and saw some of the smiles I know the circumstances behind those smiles and so what I'm trying to say today is that it's not just Jeremiah that is pinning these words and saying I still have hope but I'm going to tell you this house is full of Jeremiah's this morning that said despite my pain or despair despite the problems or the illness I'm coming to to the house of God and when I get there I'm not going to sit down like a bag of rocks when I get there I'm not going to sit down and suck my thumb when I get there I'm not going to depend on somebody else to pump and prime and try to get me to lift my hands and praise and worship God but I'm going to come into the house of God and I'm going to give him praise because he's worthy. I'm going to worship him because he's worthy. Why? I still have hope. You know what we feel in this building outside the spirit of God, outside his anointing. You know what's in this house today? Hope. Amen. There's hope in this house. There is hope in this building today. And you know what the world is looking for? Hope. Hope. God, praise God, praise God. I'm glad, I'm glad, so glad that I have hope. Amen, I'm glad that I know hope by name. Praise the Lord. The scene was so depressing. Jeremiah perhaps even began to stagger at all that he sees around him. I say that because I think Jeremiah was just as much a human being as I am. Now I'm going to tell you there are days even in America I stagger at what you see going on around you. I, I, I stagger. I, I, I stagger. I understand the words of Asaph. I really do and I'm not alone here today. When ACF my, said, my feet almost slip when I see the prosperity of the wicked. I mean, I'm doing everything I know to do right. And it just seems like you can't hardly get the ends to come together. And it just seems like somebody that's cheating on their wife and somebody that's abusing their kids and somebody that won't work half the time and somebody that's trying to cheat and beat the system, it seems like that they're getting more than what sometimes the children of God are getting. It's all right to say amen to that. <coughs> Amen. You see hard working people, faithful people. 
Amen. They 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 pay their uh, they they pay their taxes and they do everything they need to do, and it seems like they are the ones that get caught right in the cracks of the system. And other people that don't even give a flip about anything, they're cheating and stealing and doing everything they can. It just seems like anything that can be given to them is just handed to them with a silver spoon. Amen. I'm not mad and bitter this morning. I'm just talking. I'm talking about that sometimes in our humanity, our feet can almost slip. When you see, when you see all the things that's going on around you in the midst of all this debauchery, Jeremiah, perhaps his confidence may have been shaken because he was a human being. Don't forget that. I know that sounds shocking today, but I'm telling you that I'm speaking to people that have stood in a similar place. And I'm preaching to people, whether you amen this or not, your feet have almost slipped. Amen. You have staggered and you have stumbled. Now, I'm not throwing rocks at you and I'm not slapping you today, but we're being real. Amen. There have been times when we just couldn't make sense of what was going on all around us. I think it's possible that I'm even speaking to someone that may be standing on that very slippery slope today. Amen. It's, it's very almost difficult in this day that we live in to find some good news. I'm not suggesting that we should be ignorant. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm going to tell you, if all you do is sit around and watch the news, you probably need a tranquilizer at night. Amen. My goodness alive. And I'm not suggesting that we be ignorant. That's not what I'm talking about. But if that is your constant source of diet, you need to turn it off. You need to pick, pick up this. Amen. Pick up this. Amen. Paul said if there's any good thing, if there's anything worth thinking about, think on those things. You, you think on those things. I don't think Paul was suggesting that we bury our hand, hand, heads in the sand. No, no, no. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that there is no doubt that in the hour that we live in, bad news has center stage. In a society that we're living in, it seems like that, uh, it seems as though even the church has almost been taken captive by the world of sin. You don't have to look very far to realize how caught up people are in the ecstasy of sin. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm not just talking about middle-aged people. I'm going to tell you this morning, I would like every man and woman in this house to give me your undivided attention. God wants you whether you're 8, 18, or 80. Amen. He doesn't care how old you are. He'll take you at any point in your life. And so we don't need to be caught up in the ecstasy of sin that the world seems to be caught up in. It seems as though laws are made against the word of God while at the same time sin seems to have a greater and greater freedom and liberty and embrace and acceptance in our world. We are literally living in an hour where good is called evil and evil is called good. And I'm afraid that we as Americans have kindled the wrath of God against us and I fear for us as a nation. Amen. We cannot continue. We cannot continue to pretend that God is going to going to turn a blinded eye to this sin is is as rampant in the streets of a small communities today as it is in metropolitan areas. Our prisons and our jails are filling up at an unprecedented rate. Amen. The newscasts are filled with more and more troubling reports. However, I am determined more than ever before to have the mindset of Jeremiah. Amen. In the midst of all of his troubles, Jeremiah said, I still have hope. 
Amen. I pray today that the church would not succumb to the spirit of this age and the spirit of this world, but I pray that every time we come together, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday or whatever it may be, whatever the venue may be, I pray that the church family, not only the church family, but everybody that attends can walk into this house and still find hope. I feel hope in this place. Amen. I don't feel hope because you're here this morning. Amen. I'm glad you come to add to that, but I want to feel hope just because I walked into the sanctuary of the Most High. How did Jeremiah still have this hope in the midst of all of his trouble? I think the reasons are many, but I think one of the reasons that he maintains his hope is because there were a few things that he just refused to forget. He meant one of those was the mercies of God. He said, God is merciful and it's fresh every day and God's mercy never fails us. God is so faithful. He's right there every time I've ever needed him. And then Jeremiah said, the Lord is my portion. Amen. That phrase is used many times throughout scripture. Portions on earth can be perishing things. Amen. You can have something today and have nothing tomorrow. Amen. I know there's a lot of people that don't believe that. There's a lot of people that are fat and sassy where they are and they think nothing could ever rob them of what they have. But I'm gonna tell you something. If everything you own could not be taken from you overnight, I promise you the meaning of everything you own could be taken with one phone call. Amen, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what building bears your name. It would not matter what tower bears your name. It would mean nothing. The portions of this earth are a perishing thing. It's been said time and time again, you will not take it with you when you go. And so the only thing I can depend on is what God has given me. And what God has given me, even the devil himself can't take it away. Amen, hell itself cannot rob what God has given given. Amen. The Lord the Lord he said is good to those who wait on him and those that seeketh after him and so I'm going to seek him by faith. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that without faith it's impossible to please him and so if I'm going to come to him I've got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and so when I when I hold on to those manifold truths when I hold on to that that's how I maintain hope how do you get up and face a day without a shot of liquor how do you get up and face a day without marijuana how do you get up and face a day without illicit lifestyles I promise you that my faith and my confidence is not there. Amen. My faith is not in Jim Bean nor Jack Daniels. My faith is not in Budweiser. My faith is not in the pills that can be bought on the street. But my faith is in Jehovah. Amen. Jeremiah, how can you still have hope through all of these tears? Jeremiah, how can you have hope when your friends have lost their home? How can you have hope when you have seen your children suffer? How can you have hope whenever all around you a temple that that once was a place of prestige has now turned to a place of shame. He said, I have hope because God's mercies are fresh every day. I have hope because had it not been for God, we would be consumed. We wouldn't even be here if it were not for the mercies of God. Hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands?
you've been serving the Lord very long at all, I can rest assured that you can say with a calm assurance, God has been faithful to me. Even during seasons when I didn't feel like I was as faithful to God, he was still faithful to me. God has always been faithful to me. Because of God's faithfulness through the years, we can stand and boldly declare our hope is in the Lord. The word faithful in our world just doesn't seemingly mean as much to some as it may mean to others. We live in an hour where people are seemingly spending more on weddings than at any other time in history. In 2004, the average cost of a wedding was $32,213, not, not including the honeymoon. The average price of a honeymoon ranges anywhere from five to $10,000. And so despite these staggering numbers, we seem to take marriage vows more lightly than ever before. In 2014, there were just under 2.2 million wedding ceremonies conducted in the U.S. alone. An overwhelming majority, at an overwhelming majority of these ceremonies, there was a series of questions that were posed, questions that go something like this. Do you take him or her to be your wedded companion, to live together in marriage? Do you promise to love, comfort, honor, keep for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others? Be faithful boy it is quiet in this house you promise almost 2.2 million times overwhelmingly many times without hesitation that request that seems so reasonable is answered in the affirmative, I do or I will. Yet somewhere along the line, that promise gets tossed to the side. And faithfulness, faithfulness doesn't have the priority that it should have in our life. Faithful, faithful. Faithfulness means steadfast, honest, trustworthy. A few days ago, my wife said, I, I need to go to Lake City and I've got to do this, 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 and this. I had to trust that when she drove away, that's where she was going. Now, I knew she was probably going to go a couple more places than that. She was not trying to pull the wool over my eyes. There's just some things after 35 years you don't have to talk about. <laughs> I knew if something struck her fancy here or there, there was going to be an added stop or two along the way. But I had to trust that she was going to come home and hear me. I had to trust that when she got there, she was still going to be pure. Amen. Men and women 
I'm preaching to an adult class today. People need to be able to trust and have faith, confidence. Amen. When we think of faithfulness, we think of someone who is firm in their commitment. Let me, let me before I move on, let me say I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. I'm not just preaching to young married couples. I'm not just preaching to middle-aged married couples. I'm telling you that the devil will take you anywhere he can get you, anywhere he can get you. And so we need to be faithful. Faithfulness, when we think about faithfulness, maybe, maybe someone comes to mind. Maybe you think of somebody in your life who's always been there. They've been reliable. Perhaps there are people that, that you can think of that you know them to be faithful. They've always been there without a doubt. The scripture is certainly filled with men and women that, that could easily be deemed faithful. Among them, Jeremiah certainly would come to mind. Jeremiah, the author of this book in consideration today. As I said, Jeremiah referred to as that weeping prophet. This book recounts his sorrow with this long list of sorrows over the tragedy that's befallen the city and the country and even his own people. And his response, his response to what was going on was an urgency and a plea of repenting and turning around. He knew that his God was a God of mercy and a God of compassion. He stood in the gap. He was that intercessor. He was that voice. He was that bridge, if you please, between God and the people urging them to turn. Throughout the pages of Lamentations, we are given a glimpse into the sufferings that he endured by the people of Jerusalem. However, Jeremiah knew what God was going to do for his people, and he knew what God was going to do for him. Jeremiah knew that God was faithful because Jeremiah understood the faithfulness of God, and this caused him to never lose hope even when he couldn't see him, he couldn't find him, he couldn't feel him. He knew that God was faithful. Jeremiah knew that God would do what he said he would do. God told Jeremiah this, if you'll turn with me, Jeremiah chapter 1, 5 and 6. This is what the Lord said to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And I said, Hey, Lord, hey, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. Jeremiah cowered, cowered, amen. He just bowed at such a promising pronouncement over his life. He said, I have ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah said, oh, I'm just a child. Jeremiah being insecure, unsure of his own ability and strengths. And I'm gonna tell you today, and I just speak this in the Holy Ghost, that many times God calls us to do something that we may feel is strange. Perhaps God may even call us to do something we deem impossible or maybe we see ourselves inadequate for the task at hand. However, we must come to understand something that is key to the work of the kingdom of God, that with men it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. It is here in Lamentations, amen, that the prophet remembered that although he was a man of constant sorrows and he had seen the, the wrath and the afflictions of the rod of God upon the people and even himself, Jeremiah said, I still have hope. I'm going to ask our musicians to come as I close this morning. Jeremiah knew that God was his portion, therefore he had hope. He knew God to be faithful because every morning, in spite of his own humanity, God gave him fresh mercy. 
after all that Jeremiah had endured, standing in the midst of the ruin of Jerusalem, he was able to stand and lift his voice and praise God. Now, I want you to understand, this was not some random praise for the sake of praise. This is not just some hand clap, oh, glory be to Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. Jeremiah was going to praise God because he was great and because he was unfailing in his faithfulness to his people. I'm going to praise you despite the clouds that are blown into my life. Jeremiah was able to do this because he had a tremendous perspective of God. You see, it's how you see God. (laughs) It's what you know him to be. It's how you see him. Regardless of the situation or the circumstances, Jeremiah knew God was still God. He was still God. I'm not meaning that to sound trite at all, but I'm going to tell you, when you know that God is God, amen, the song said, and God don't ever change. When we know that, we can lay down with a calm assurance. Can we stand together? Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the impending storm, he knew that God was God. And so today as we go through difficult or maybe even trying times, we need to consider Jeremiah's witness of God's faithfulness. When bad times or hard times come our way, we've got to realize that that God made the heaven and the earth by his great power and there is nothing too hard for God. Like Jeremiah, we may face mountains of success and valleys of failure. Like Jeremiah, we too are men and women of constant sorrows. Nevertheless, I'm thankful for the hope that I find in him. Amen. I'm thankful for Calvary's cross, aren't you? Can we lift our hands and pray? Would you open your mouth and with our voices, can we praise the Lord? Amen. I'm thankful for the hope that I find in him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.